Tony Pike waits for the snap, has the football, short drop, bobs one down the sideline for Bins. he's got it, touchdown, touchdown! Jaron dribbles into the front court, drives to the bucket, his shot, no good, put back up and in by Trayvon Scott, Cincinnati by one. Down in seven for the Red Hawks with a three-point lead. Game on the line on this play. Ragland waits for the shotgun snap, extends the hands, catches the ball. He's looking to throw from the one. His pass. Intercepted. Yeah. Yeah. to the yeah. end zone. Touchdown. Bearcats. Yeah. Shot it. He's picked it off. And Cincinnati has the lead. With one seven to go. Left. Copain driving to the bucket. Bank shot around the rim. It's good. It's good. It counts. It's good. And we're going to overtime. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of the Go Beer Cats podcast. As always, I am your host, Brandon. And with me this evening on episode 29, a beat down in South Bend, we have friend of the show, third time appearance, Brandon from the Den. How's it going, sir? Good. Thanks for having me. Third time's a charm. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And, uh charms uh the it seems as though the irish ran out of those on saturday <laughs> well i think dc went out and took them instead of running out of them that's what that's couldn't have said it better myself for sure um you uh you're you, like i said you know you've been here before what uh you know how we do things we start the show off with a beer of the podcast mm-hmm. uh, i myself i am drinking uh, a beer from Spaten Brewing, which is from Munich, Germany. It's wow. an Oct- Oktoberfest, five point nine percent. I just, you know, the a rainy day here in Cincinnati uh, just seems uh, to fit my mood, so I went with an Oktoberfest. Uh, what are you sipping on? Yeah, well, it's October, so I guess I can drink the pumpkin beers now. I'll give myself permission, and uh, the best one around, and there's no argument. Is uh, Mad Tree's pumpkin clocking in at seven point nine percent? Probably the only one I'll have this Monday evening, but um, delicious. I, I want to have more, um, but my I celebrate. I don't know about you, but I celebrated pretty hard on Saturday evening. So uh, pacing. This will probably be the only beer that I have for a couple of days. Uh, you know, just to keep tradition of of the podcast alive. There you go. I like it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, it was. Huge, a huge day uh, to be a Bearcats fan. You, if I'm not mistaken, made the trip, correct? Yes. Yep. Made the trip. Had that one circled for a long time. Um, Not just, you know, for all the reasons, but, uh, you know, as many people in the area um, grew up, maybe not directly a Notre Dame fan, but you're kind of admiring everything that happens up there in South Bend. So that was my first time um going to a football game at Notre Dame so we made the trip you know made a weekend out of it uh both Friday and Saturday night tailgated with the Republic of Cincinnati and and some more of the brigade tailgate some of the other guys from the grid set up there um it was a blast absolute blast definitely I, I definitely want to get into into that stuff a little more uh I myself I did not make it to the game uh because of I guess I relied too heavily on the Notre Dame ticket website, uh, but it, I, I should have just went up because it looked like there were tickets available, you know, just hours or minutes before the game uh, for, I mean, pretty affordable tickets. Uh, so I, I wish I would have made the trip and then sort of just 
uh, you know, spontaneously bought some tickets there because it was a, a great day to be a Bearcat, as we said. From start to finish, uh, the Bearcats never uh, trailed. Uh, I mean, it was just everything that you could have wanted in a top 10 matchup where we have so much on the line for this on this season. Yeah, uh, I know that there's some rhetoric coming from the post-game I know there's some post-game rhetoric coming from the Notre Dame side of things saying like, uh, you know, Notre Dame didn't do this or didn't do that or gave the game to Cincinnati. And I just don't see how that is remotely true. Um, no. They were down 17 nothing at halftime. They can't do anything offensively. I mean, 12 years into the Brian Kelly experiment in South Bend, and that's what they produce offensively. That's, that's a concern um, if I'm an Irish fan. For sure. But, uh, I mean... You know, I mean, really the only blemish um, other than, you know, maybe a penalty here and there if you really want to nitpick would be the fumble. And, you know, on the road in this top 10 team, I think you have to expect that something's going to happen. And and how do you respond? And what does Dez th- do? He throws an absolute dime to Lenny Taylor right up the middle to pretty much, you know, it, it, I know that wasn't a scoring play, but you put them in scoring position. And um, that's all she wrote. Absolutely. We'll get to that as well. Let's let's circle back because before we dive into the games and, and the highs and the lows and the the fingernail chewing of the of the late in the second half, uh, so I I went to the IU game. I I got to experience that and kind of took it all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that and some of the other stadiums I've been to, uh, Michigan and Ohio State, you know, I think there's like four categories or four things you want to pay attention to when visiting a stadium like that. So what I want to get uh, your insight on and, and your experience on since you were there, and uh, it looks like all the Bearcats uh, fans had a great time up there. The, the first thing is tell me about the, the pregame festivities. How was uh, you know, the, the tailgate, the setup, and the environment uh, outside of the stadium? Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. Um, night and day compared to Bloomington. Uh, there's different rules in different lots around South Bend, so it can be tricky, especially for newcomers. But, you know, the Republic of Cincinnati guys took care of a lot of those details. There's a big grass lot right across the street from the baseball stadium that we were in. At least I think it was the baseball stadium. Um, Packed in like sardines as far as like cars next to each other and and the trailers and RVs. Uh, Lots of Bearcats fans in that lot. Um, and then as you walked onto campus, uh, you know, between, you know, 1.30, 2.30, when kickoff was, the main lot outside the Joyce Center where they play basketball is is the one that has all the rules, meaning, like, you can't play, like, loud music. And I think there's some weird drinking rules out there. But, but you know, tailgate flags everywhere. I mean, it was the epitome of a college football environment. And, and you know, from the morning – you're waking up in the hotel, going down and you know, get coffee and, and whatnot in the lobby. It, it was, I've said this, I'll say it again, night and day compared to what we experienced in Bloomington. Didn't even think we were in the same state. Um, just really nice, welcoming fan base, town. Uh, and and that, that didn't change after the game. I, obviously, there were some annoyed Irish fans as, as they, um, you know, have every – excuse to be, but uh, it was fantastic. I, I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to go up again um, with uh, my blood pressure 
a little bit more um, under control, say with my heart rate um, and, you right. know, maybe go with a little bit more neutral attitude. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, so you guys, uh, I mean, I, I think uh, Bearcats fans had a lot of uh, complaints. Uh, that might be a strong word, but at least we'll go with complaints on, on like the, uh, the stadium uh, at, at Indiana, the, the concessions, the, the, Inside of the stadium was was nice, but the outside there were uh, you know had a ton of problems. What can you so walking into Notre Dame Stadium uh, and then like being inside like at your seat? How can you uh, describe that to those of us who weren't there? Sure, yeah. I mean, so comparing it to Memorial Stadium is is um, is is incredible. I mean, M- Memorial Stadium in Bloomington is uh, it ain't it. It, it, it ain't it. And I know that's been well-documented since, since September 18th. Notre Dame stadium is as nice as any professional. And I know it's collegiate, but I'm comparing it to a professional stadium. It was clean. You know, well, like you know, decorated, meaning like there's banners and the signage is, is all there. Um, you know, there was a big rush to the gate, obviously right around, 145 to o'clock. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a crowd to get through, you know, your, your scans and scan your tickets. All that was handled as well as it can be in, in the COVID era. Um, in, in the actual stadium, in the seat, you know, it's all bleacher seating. So uh, not that it really matters because you do more standing than you do sitting. For sure. Uh, I, I mean, the view that we had from the Bearcats section in the, I guess that's the South end zone. Um, right under the the screen, we could see touchdown Jesus, and uh, um, just knowing and, and the history and then being in that setting was was special. Um, but I, I, it was a lot like Michigan, where it's just it's just a bowl, you know, it's just a, mm-hmm. a college football bowl, and there's really not a lot of frills. Um, I can't remember a game where I didn't leave my seat. I, I legitimately didn't leave my seat. You know, luckily my wife took care of me. She went and got a water and a, and a pretzel, but I walked in and I didn't walk out until um, the game was over. So I, I didn't really get to experience a lot of the concourse and whatnot, other than just walking to my seat. But what I did see and what I've heard from others that did a little bit more exploring is uh, um, it was top notch. Very nice. Very nice. So, uh, so I'm guessing, or or you can tell us here, you were in the sea of red uh, that that was the Bearcat faithful that showed up. Yes, yeah, I I got lucky with, with the the season, you know, with the deposit through the athletic department, and um, I don't know how many rows at the top. Uh, obviously, you know, probably fifteen or twenty, I'd say, uh, mm-hmm. dedicated Bearcat away section. I was in that, and you could get a good view of how that kind of wrapped around um, from the end zone towards one of the press boxes. Uh, So my view was towards touchdown Jesus and to the left of touchdown Jesus with that vantage point, you get the student section, Uh, but a lot of red in between. I mean, kudos to the athletic department and all the communications that Bearcat Twitter and whatnot put out about wearing red because UC fans took that direction and it was a great contrast. I think if there would have been like all black, it wouldn't have worked as well because Notre Dame had a, a wear green day. 
Um, there was one section of UC that actually went from the field up and I think there's like one that's dedicated towards like parents and family and friends. And then you get more of the alumni and casual fans at the top. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost like one of those games where an athletic department like plans to have every other section wear a different color. That's, that's how much contrast there was from the green to the red in some, in some areas. It was really neat. I, I, I mean, that's, that's a good point. Cause I, I watched the game, uh, on, you know, on television at a buddy's house. And like, as soon as it came on, you know, the red and the green, they're like, this looks like Christmas. Like it, like it was that like solid red and then green. And then it was just, and some sprinkled in the middle there. So even from TV, like watching it on television, you could see a, a huge contrast as well. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about, I mean, it was, it was talked about on the broadcast. Uh, if you follow Mason Madsen, the, uh, the basketball player, uh, mm-hmm. some of the basketball team was uh, in attendance. Uh, and then this definitely uh, noticeable on, on the broadcast, like I said, the chance of let's go Bearcats ringing throughout the stadium. Uh, did you take notice of that? How, oh my gosh, I'll never forget can, it. Can you just, can you describe that some way? I could try. Um, let me maybe <laughs> let, let me maybe try and put it in, in some some historical context because I know we're trying to do a lot of comparing in sports. So this is the best that, or this is the worst that. Sure. Uh, one thing I'll say is we didn't have any band presence, so everything that was done was through, you know, a group of fans or you know something catching and 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 spreading. So anything that would start. Um, it, it caught fire. Just like the DC fans were so ready to, to cheer their team on. And there were some moments where it really helped. Like maybe it was quiet coming into a timeout. You could kind of feel the, the um, momentum shifting. And then a let's go Bearcats chant would, would echo. And then Notre Dame fans tried to react by either playing music or, or whatnot. It just I didn't see. work okay. sometimes. Okay. But the, the, the historical context is, you know, you could go to a basketball game and, and it's loud because it's inside. Um, but the one football experience that I remember was at the Sugar Bowl, looking at half of um, the dome doing down the drive and literally looking at one of the biggest NFL arenas, stadiums, half of it doing the UC down the drive. Now, like I said, we didn't have the band, so there wasn't as much down the drive on Saturday. Right. As there would have been if we had drums. So the Let's Go Bearcats chants echoed and everyone joined in and there were multiple versions of them throughout the game. And uh it's it's a it's an experience I probably won't forget. I think when uh like the, the broadcasters um when they really started taking notice was I think it was in the second quarter maybe when when Ritter kind of, I don't know if it was like a play action pass in the red zone and hit Lenny Taylor with the floater, that mm-hmm. was like closer to the UC like fan base or, or chunk of fans. And they were commenting like, this is loud. This is like, they were not ready for that at all. Yeah. I was watching some of the extended highlights on YouTube today. And I, I think I, I think I know the moment you're talking about. You could definitely hear it. I think there was one really loud one um in the fourth quarter where it, it may have been right when they missed the extra point when Notre Dame missed the extra point mm-hmm. 
and, and it was one of those moments where you see know, UC's got to go down the field and, and, and put this thing away. And it was kind of quiet. I think there was a TV timeout around that time. And once started, uh, a chant started to the left of us and worked its way over to the right where more of the Bearcats fans were. And uh, I, I, I think that's the one where I t- turned to my wife and said, I will never forget the chance from today. Like, it's just ingrained in my head now. Nice. I love it. I love it. So you, uh, I mean, that's, you've done, uh, as far as, you know, people that I've read or or I've heard try to explain it, you've done as good of a job as anyone, if not better. So I I certainly appreciate that. (laughs) Um, So you said, you know, you didn't leave your seat for the entire game. Uh, Describe the atmosphere as as the the clock hits double zeros, uh, you know, either as you're in your seat or as you're walking out of the stadium. What's that like? Very much like the pit game in 09, uh, for anyone's listening or, or um, has heard stories of that, where the, the level of stress before the clock struck zero was as high as it's, it's been since, since 2009, December 5th. Um, just really hasn't been a game where there's been that much collective pressure, whether it's the storyline from the coaches or, you know, the college football playoff implications, like all that stuff. Um once it did, and, you know, Dez is in victory formation at Notre Dame Stadium, which is an incredible statement. Uh, <laughs> it, it it was one of those things where you look around and you just didn't know when people were going to leave. Like, obviously, the game's over. Like, we, we need to leave. But it didn't happen for a lot of fans for probably 10 minutes. And Notre Dame was playing their post-game music, like – they played ABBA and then Sweet Caroline. And I think they cut Sweet Caroline short because there was still 7,000 Bearcats fans like singing and dancing in their seat. <laughs> now, what was happening going down the, the ramps um, from the top level to the bottom level were the echoes in the walls of all the down the drives and the Let's Go Bearcats. For, and and that, that extended out into... Um, you know, the parking lot and uh, and then maybe even a little bit to the post-game tailgate. So um, it was really neat. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I mean, so let's, I mean, if you, if you would like, I mean, you had a, it sounds like you had a, a great seat to, to take this all in. Uh, the Bearcats emerged victorious 24-13 in a, a game where they, they, they never trailed. Uh, I mean, is, is as far as performances, is there a person either uh, on the offense or defense that, that stood out to you uh, as far as, you know, really leaving their mark on the game? Uh, Alec Pierce is a dude. Um, six catches, I think, is what he had. And three of them were plus 20 yards. I'm not mm-hmm. best with stats. I'm making guesses this year. Obviously, I'm trying to reach outside of Dez. That, that's just – he was the best player on the field. For sure. Uh, um, uh, I mean, outside of that, Alec Pierce, you know, Lenny Taylor, they had great games. Um, defensively, I have to call out the Malik fan. I think that that was a career moment for him, getting that sack in the fourth quarter, you know, being a local kid. Just an unbelievable moment. I mean, the whole game for him, too. But one guy that I know hasn't come up in the stat sheet that's been – 
in the top, you know, two or three of, of individual player performances that we've been expecting for this year. It just haven't seen it for this out or the other reason in the sack numbers, but Maje Sanders was a problem on Saturday for Notre Dame. So That's I'd say sure. Alec Pierce and Maje Sanders are my two guys. Very nice. Very nice. I did have, uh, I had, uh, Pierce and Lenny Taylor written down, uh, Pierce, six catches, 144 yards. Lenny Taylor had himself a day, uh, four catches for 70 and that touchdown pass. But the, the pass late, late in the fourth on that Des drive that you were talking about where Des hit him in stride. I don't know. I can't remember if it was a 24 or a, a 34 yard pass, but that you, when he caught that in stride, you knew that the Bearcats were about to respond and there was not much Notre Dame could do at that point. That was it. I'm like I said, a couple minutes ago, they didn't score on that play, but it got it. it, I believe it was on third down. might've been on second, but you know, big, a big chunk with time running out, you know, it wasn't to the side where they pushed him out of bounds and stopped the clock and and whatnot. I, I mean, it was arguably one of the best passes, if not the best play, the best throw that, that Desmond Ritter's um, completed in his career. I mean, it happened, it happened like that in a blink of an eye. And I had the angle of it. Obviously, I was above the play. You know, I wasn't low behind the, the end zone. I was up. So just getting that angle, watching, watching that ball to right up the seam, um, was, was, that was a moment. Absolutely. I mean, Ritter finished 19 for 32. Um, I I think people are criticizing him for for the completion percentage not being as high as people want it to be. Uh, But, I mean, he he threw for almost 300 yards, accounted for three touchdowns. And I think he, on this last drive, I mean, he, I don't know what you want to call it. I don't, uh, he showed... That uh, I mean, if you are a fan of uh, South Park, uh, you know he put his balls in the the wheelbarrow and wheeled them around South Bend <laughs> after that because um, he showed what he was made of. You know, he's he's talking about quieting the crowd earlier this week, and that got a lot of attention. Uh, but I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm all for it. He's I mean, what is he supposed to say when Dim Brock's saying, hey, you know, this it's going to be loud there. I want my quarterback to have that confidence to say, you know, not for very long. And, I mean, he went out, he put his, you know, money where his mouth is and, and made it happen for us. I think that's going to be one of the – the obviously, if, if things work out for us and they do during the playoff, they don't. But if they take care of business and, and the conference and, and um, you know, we're looking back on this team – in a year, in a bunch of years, the how do I say this? Like, they're never out of it. They're never going to be out of it. One, because the defense is incredible. But number two, like the offense isn't making back-breaking mistakes. Yeah, they, there's a fumble. Yes, penalties have been an issue. Obviously, there's probably a special teams kicking thing that needs to be figured out. But like the IU game, they got down 14. Momentum started to, to shift a little bit in Notre Dame. They didn't play that great in the third quarter. But they're not out of it. And with getting into the conversation about the college football playoff, that means you're going to be playing the three, one of the three other best teams in the country 
Right. And, and, and does that scare me with this team? No. The 9 team would have gotten dog-walked by Alabama if they would have made the – just because they they did by Florida. Like, that team was not right. Really, at for that sure. level. But this one, I, 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 I obviously I'm a homer. Obviously I'm, a, I'm biased, but I think that they could play with anyone. I think you're right. And I think a, a phrase that gets thrown around sometimes is a like, you know, this team or that team, they have a puncher's chance. This, like, that's like, we're far and above that. Like, this isn't, you know, we can go out and uh, I think we proved that a little bit at the, at the Peach Bowl. And we certainly proved that on Saturday that it's, I mean, you might have to play up to the Bearcats level to overcome what they're bringing. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, the number nine team, at least last Saturday, the number nine team wasn't able to do that. Indiana uh, is a good team. They're, they weren't able to do it. Uh, Miami didn't even try. No. So we'll see, we'll, see what, um, we'll see what the American can do. You know, they're going to get everyone's best shot, whatever that is, <laughs> from, yeah. from whatever we're getting from the American. You know, now – as we record this on October 4th or whatever day it is, that's looking like SMU, uh, you know, central Florida is always stuff, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's a special, it's a special group. And, and they, they provided a really special experience for us up in Indiana on Saturday. Absolutely. And, you know, to circle back to, to your point that you brought up at the beginning here that, there's a lot of chatter post game about how Notre Dame beat themselves or, or whatever excuse that they're coming up with. Uh, I mean, it is, I mean, they played three quarterbacks, uh, two, two of them had an interception and the third one was probably lucky that he didn't throw an interception. Uh, they, they seem, they, I think, I think someone will place blame on uh, head coach Brian Kelly, who we've gone how many minutes without bringing up. So good for us. Uh, I think he might have panicked in some of his decision making there when he's shuffling in and out uh, the quarterbacks. I mean, one didn't get it done. The next one didn't. Uh, and then they, they put in um, Pine, I think is his last name. And I mean, he you could say he had the most success, but he still didn't. I mean, it wasn't enough for him. I, I'm definitely not buying into the Notre Dame beat themselves. Our defense was too good and had the pressure on for too long, and our offense was did exactly what they had to do to to put all the pressure on Notre Dame uh, throughout the game. Yeah, um, I know uh, we've we've been down that road before, where you're shuffling in a lot of different QBs. It worked out with Tolaris and Pike didn't really work out as well with Hayden Moore and then insert whoever was around him. Um, we got Desmond Ritter as a product of that, but you know, for Notre Dame, um, I, I will now, and then maybe other Bearcats fans will as well. We'll shift to, to rooting for them. I, I hope that they figure it out and for sure. are, are able to score because they have a schedule that can, get them to 11 and one. And I think Pine gives them the best chance to do that. Just from what I've seen so far out of them this season uh, and on Saturday, because uh, the more wins that, that they can stack up, it's, it's going to help. It's going to help us. So, um, you know, the Brian Kelly thing, 
I was ever really well, I don't I don't care that much in the first place. I'm not one to to do a lot of criticizing of a of a head coach, especially you know they're trying to win the game too. And I know fans can criticize them for you know play call here and there, but they have the same goal as the fans do. They want to win the game. It's definitely okay to disagree with them. And I'm not saying it's not allowed. Um, they just they have offensive issues. I I think it's more telling that that he's got that situation. 12 years in um, mm-hmm. and they haven't really won anything. So if your expectation as an Irish fan is that like the best is still to come with Brian Kelly, I, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like you, you're getting, you're getting it. And this is, you've seen the ceiling get to the college football playoff and get blown out because you don't, you're not there um, yet with other teams that they've played. So as far as like any animosity from a Cincinnati perspective, I hope we can just like, for like, I don't know, move past it because it he's not really in our way anymore. Like, and uh, we beat him to look at it. Good. and that's I'll, it. I like that. I've no, I've not heard that as well either. So I, I, I like that as well, Brandon. Uh, I like that a lot. So let me, let me ask you, I want to do a, a little thing here. I want to, I want to read off some big moments from the game, and I want to get your reaction or your reaction to your reaction. Does that make sense? So kind Hold of. On. So you're going to say a big moment. You're going to. And okay, the, yeah, go ahead. I did it. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So let's let's start from the old, go from the beginning. So uh, give me give me your reaction to the Notre Dame's opening drive uh, when they they came out guns blazing, maybe their best drive all day. Yeah. Um, I, I, I swear I'm not like Nostradamus here or like giving myself too much credit. I, I, I have two thoughts. One, I had a feeling that they were going to come out and, and, and run the ball. And, you know, when they hit that first one, I was okay if they were to score because they're not like, I just don't see how any teams getting past 25 points with us. The second part is when they, Started to get some pressure late in the last drive. I had a feeling there was going to be a pick or a turnover. Tur- turnover. Like we saw it in Indiana. It just happens with this Black Cats defense. And um, I turned out to be right. I mean, that, I mean I'll take that because my heart sank uh, when he busted that open for 16 yards. And then they completed a couple passes to their big tight end. And I was just like, oh, God, this is not the start that I wanted the defense to get. But then, like you said, the pressure – Sauce Gardner's all over the ball, and, and he picks it off. My, my attitude and, and blood pressure both made a, a nice 180 there uh, in a matter yeah. of seconds. Um, yeah. All right, so, so, so next one here. Uh, they, I, think this, I, don't, I think this was second quarter. Uh, so Notre Dame, the first time they changed quarterbacks, they put in uh, Buckner, I think was his last name. Uh, and so I think – there are two, maybe three plays in a row. Sanders makes contacts or pressures, pressures them. Uh, and that leads to the second interception of the game. Yeah, I was just watching that highlight earlier. Um, Sanders came around, uh, came right up the middle, and um, quarterback tried to get rid of it, threw it right up in the air. And then I think, was it Pace? Yeah, Pace had the interception yeah. and took it down yeah. in under the 20. Um the reaction there in the section was get a block and score because 
he wasn't that far away. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it was an electric moment. Uh, you know, it was, it, it, you know, it ended up being a part of the, of the summation of what was that first seven, that first half 17, nothing. Uh, but, you know, arguably the, the best play to the moment because it gave us great field position and a chance to score. And and then a couple plays later, the the Ritter, uh, I don't know if it's a play action or or whatever it is you want to call it, his floater to to Lenny Taylor. Yeah, I I think so. I was right about one play, and then I was totally wrong about that one because I thought it was going to be the Jerome Ford just ramming football like right up, and then uh, so did Marcus Freeman because right. they. Right. They totally loaded up everything. They went all in on a Ritter or a Jerome Ford run. And uh, does Ritter said, nope, I'm going to hit Lenny Taylor right in the back of the end zone. And he was wide open. Beautiful. Sorry. So, I mean, if the the section that you're sitting in is amped up after that, I believe seconds later, Wilson Huber recovers the muffed kickoff return. Okay, that one was probably one of the more pinch-me moments of the game <laughs> because, a t- just, I don't know, it was just such a strange happening. Like, it just bounced off the guy, and, and, and Huber stoops it up in, in the scrum. Um, I, I don't have that positive of a, of, a, of a memory of it because of what happened with the missed field goal, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, at least you know in hindsight um in the moment that one was like what is happening like we're here and we're doing this shit that's that's kind of how i remember it very not I, I, I like that all right we're here this is what's happening i like that um all right so you you this was i had this further down but we'll we'll plug these together the mm-hmm. first the first missed field goal and then the second Okay, the second was annoying, uh, <laughs> but there was one guy, um, and if you listen to your pod, he'll probably know who he is. Um, he'll uh, order of words is out there, but I, I think that was the play. And I'm talking about the first field goal. The second one was just annoying, and then I think we were all frustrated. But the first one, I think this one guy just wanted something to be angry at because he kind of used that play as his launching point to complain about anything else that he disagreed with oh, God. For, for UC. And uh, that started to annoy me because like, we're all stressed. And then you get another missed field goal. We're all extra stressed. And uh, we just didn't need those, those vibes, but he was bringing them. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a takeaway that, that I think, you know, Luke is going to have to figure out. Do they, do they try some of their other legs? Um, see if they can't catch someone that has a little bit more confidence at the moment can get streaky because um, I, I definitely understand it. I, I play golf and I understand if you did the yips a little bit and you're not, you're not kicking the ball or hitting the ball the way you want to. Um, mm-hmm. But to do it in a top 10 matchup uh, is unfortunate. You know, they left points on the board. So that's more to the argument about, you know, Notre Dame beat themselves. Like, no, UC would have beat you by more, but they missed two field goals. So, like, cool it. Right, right. And and we had a, a touchdown called back for, I think, a legal man downfield, which I thought that was horseshit. But we, I won't go down there. Um, all right, so, so uh, 
I, I don't know his name. I think his last name might be Hamilton. I forget, or I don't know his name. I'm not going to the safety. Guess. The this the yeah the quote quote unquote best defender in the country. Uh, people love that guy, and Ritter drops one in to Tucker, and makes that guy look silly. For and and Trey Tucker waltzes into the end zone. Yeah. I think that was just one of the more like just odd things in football that can happen. Cause like the ball that Ritter threw wasn't that great. The, the, the Hamilton guy, like I'm sure he'd, he, he'd want another swing at that one. Cause he kind of took an odd angle and then Tucker kind of like baited him into it a little bit. And- he definitely made him a move. He kind of like gave him like a, like a half jab step just enough for him to turn his head. I think you're right. So I don't know if that's any one person's like this person made a good play. That person made a bad play. And I think that's just one of those odd things that happens in football sometimes where the ball just lands where it's going to land. And, you know, either you're happy for it because you're rooting for that team or you're upset about it because you're not. I, I don't, that one is a weird one. For sure. For sure. It, it looked on, on the, uh, you know, slow-mo replay. It looked, it almost looked on purpose, but there's no way in hell that it was. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so we, you know, we said. Uh, I think if I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't. I should have written these down in, in order. I thought I did, but I think we missed the first field goal. That was and, the one that followed the, um, the 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 kickoff fumble, right? Um, now I'm confusing myself. I don't know, but yeah, the, I don't know. The, the, we talked about a lot. We we have so give me uh, the next thing here the the strip of Ritter and it, at that moment that's what I was trying to figure out I think we had missed already missed one field goal Ritter stripped and then and then we missed the second one I, I can't remember it might we might have missed both of them already and then Ritter is stripped uh, and it's like tensions in my house were were high at that moment. Uh, c- could you feel momentum swinging in the stadium? It, it seemed like that is when Notre Dame really got a lot of life. Yeah, they, they got it to 17-14 right around that point. Um, I'm sorry, 17-13. And it was for a moment. There, there was a chance where the momentum could really swing in Notre Dame's direction, and that was there, but it never really reached like a crescendo moment. Because when they got that touchdown, they then completely hooked the extra point, and yes. and, and that's and that's when when um, the offense came back on the field and said, "Okay, we've had fun, but now it's time to end this thing." Uh, that's where the "Let's Go Bearcats" chance, from a fan perspective, at least giving that energy back down to the sidelines, I, I think that's what helped us not to panic in, in a way like like maybe you would have if you were at home watching on your couch because the collective energy that the uc was bringing from a fan standpoint helped uh really put a lid on on what notre dame was was trying to do to come back to win that game for, for, uh, for sure and then and then so so as we said here the the final not necessarily the final but the 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 biggest moment for Ritter in the offense for the, I mean, UC football program, we wouldn't be here talking, uh, talking like this as much as we would be if we, we didn't have this. I don't think Ritter, you know, he, he gets surgical on the last drive to carve up 
the Notre Dame secondary and then like Ritter has done so many times in the past, tucks the ball in and, and scores, uh, you know, using his legs for the first time. Uh, give me give me the scene as as Bearcats go up eventually to 24, up 24, uh, 13. Yeah, I think just elation is probably a good word to put it because it was it was locked at that point. Um, what what is that? Two scores? Yeah, they, they, it, it had to be two scores. Not enough time to make it happen. Uh, just an absolute fantastic exclamation point storybook, I guess, if you were to write the story for your star quarterback to um, come out and put a job together like that. And and that doesn't happen. You don't see that a lot in in the American Athletic Conference where you you have that opportunity, some things didn't go your way, and then you just go in and, 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 and close the deal and take care of business. Something usually happens. Like think back to SMU a couple of years ago when UC started to get some momentum when SMU was good and we were at their place. They had that really good quarterback, and whatnot. And uh, Wiggins makes a game saving pitch six. Oh, yeah. It was like a 70 yard pitch six. Like mm-hmm. those types of things happen normally for us, either for us or against us. And, th- and this time, just like, Prof- like just a, very, a professional, very business-like, great play calling, great execution, just went out and said, you know, no, that was really cute Notre Dame. Yeah, we, you know, turned the ball over. You got a couple scores, but, you know, we're not we're not going home without a win. Uh, so tell me, what do you think, or as I've, you know, watched, uh, you know, the national media heads uh, yesterday. I haven't really gotten to see anything if anyone's still talking about it today. But what does this what does this mean? What does this win mean for UC, in, in your opinion? Um, that's, that's, a, that's a loaded question. Yes. Obviously, you know, it's October 4th. There's a lot. There's a lot that can still happen um, to potentially throw some cold water. On, on everything that we've been feeling over the past 48 hours or so. But at the moment, you've, you, you've checked another box off, off, off the checklist, off the to-do list. You've, you've done one of the things that you've been told um, collectively by how we all know how this thing works that you need to do to get invited to the party, to get invited to the playoff party. So other things have to happen. Like I said before, you know, Notre Dame's got to have success. I don't know about Indiana. Maybe maybe they can start playing better and rattle off some wins. Potentially you get another top 25 opportunity if SMU continues to play well. You know, the UCF thing is a little bit of a bummer because they have that, that recognition mm-hmm. from their previous success. Houston, it, it just – It's what you do. I think now it's kind of a little bit of how you do it. They're going to be favored by a lot in some games, maybe close to 10 points, maybe 12 in others. I'm thinking maybe two or three scores in some of these games coming up like Navy. So what does it mean in the short term? I think that's what – I think I've answered that, you know, in the long – in the long run – you know, John Cunningham's talked about being Big 12 ready. Uh, and, in, and in this program, this football program, um, 
this adds a lot of legitimacy from a recruitment aspect, from the ability to go and, and sell projects like this potential practice facility, you know, all like mm-hmm. football only building that I think they might be building down on the corner of, uh, if you read the Pete Thamel article down by mad frog. So it just adds so much more legitimacy to all those things, whether it's in the living room of a four-star recruit that they wouldn't have a chance to get, uh, maybe even last week, or maybe if they had lost, obviously maybe if they had lost or, you know, John Cunningham and his team, to, to go to donors or to maybe go to the board of trustees and come up with a, a package um, for Luke Pickle and his staff. It, it says that we're not playing that game anymore. And that game being competing against the Memphis competing against um, the schools that we've been on, on some sort of playing field with we're now, we're now doing, we're now doing something different. And and now we need to go try and, and, you know, not only win the American in every sport that we possibly can over the next couple of years, but be day one ready and uh, getting a top 10 win at Notre Dame. Like it's Notre Dame. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's a, it's a program defining victory. And um, I've been talking a lot about it for the past 48, 48 hours, and I don't know when I'm going to stop. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. You know, and you you hit on uh, you hit on this. You said, uh, you know, it, you know, to be different, uh, you know, to, to change things up, how we're doing it. How about this? As of an hour ago, Luke Fickle offers Alex Styles the a five star recruit out of Pickerington and the number one recruit in the state of Ohio. Uh, that's, I, that's that's exactly what I thought they'd be doing. That's a, that's I, a, that's a really convenient timing. I feel. Yeah, I, I know that. Um, I was listening to Chad Brendel's uh, post game from Bearcat Journal, mm-hmm. and you know, supposedly that Notre Dame had a lot of of their big targets at the game on Saturday, and <laughs> and Chad said like, you should just call all those guys yeah. and, and say, <laughs> why don't you come see us instead? I mean, that's exactly what I thought that they'd be doing and they're recruiting masterminds, like, of course, you're going to use that and go to all these kids in the state of Ohio and say, oh, Ohio State, you, you thought you were going to go to Ohio State? Well, why don't you give us a chance because we're right there with them. I love I love, I love, love that mentality. Stay aggressive. I love it. Um, I, uh, let's, let's, let's switch gears here, though, because you've, you've already uh, set us up nicely for this. So, uh, I mean, if you listen to the podcast – you know, Brandon has been on here before. Uh, you know that he's uh, heavily involved with the den, and by heavily involved, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I couldn't even probably list all the things you do to, to organize the den tailgate. Uh, but you see, you know, we're switching it up here. We've been, we haven't been at Nippert for three weeks now. Uh, we have a Friday night game. What does the den have going on this Friday before the game? Yeah, so just like uh, Desmond Ritter and and um, his his team, it's business as usual. And I, and I don't mean that to be like we're not doing anything special because we feel like every den tailgate's a special uh, a special party. But um, yeah, we're gonna have DJ Mike Rosowski. He's back. He didn't make it to the last game, so we'll have a DJ. Uh, we, we got you know the trailer will be down there about four o'clock. I'm gonna get 
I'm gonna for real get a chicken fingers catered this time. The okay. the last game, I promised it, and uh, where I had ordered from, um, their fryer broke and didn't tell me until game day. So oh, I had to audible for pizza, <laughs> but <laughs> we're gonna be ready. And I know the game's been sold out for a couple weeks now. So Friday night, uh, you know, be ready to welcome everyone and um, and have a good time before the 7 p.m. kickoff. I mean, so, uh, it, you, you bring up a sellout. That's a great point. I know, you know, uh, high school football is a big deal uh, around here. Uh, you know, usually, you know, you play football Friday nights uh, in high school, but it is a sellout. I'm expecting 40,000 people there ready to, you know, go wild over their fifth ranked UC Bearcats playing at home for the first time in three weeks. Are, are you expecting a big crowd for the tailgate? Of course, yeah, and and you know that um, as as these things go, like not only the amount of people that bought a ticket, but as the hype starts to build and and um, it just kind of catches like things go on social media, like just go viral a little bit. The the presence is not only what's inside the stadium, but how many people come to Clifton. Go to the oh, bars for sure. for sure. You know, experience the pregame, um, the tailgate. So we're definitely going to expect to have uh, plenty of people, but we got plenty of space. I don't want that to attract oh, sure. any listeners that you know might say, oh, "I'm just going to tailgate or you know get a drink at the bar before the game because I hear it's too crowded." Like, no, that's not the case. They actually ripped out a bunch of trees that took up a lot of up. our space last year, yep. so yep. we have plenty of room. So come on down. So uh, oh, I just want to say something I forgot, but oh, I hate that. Anyway, so oh, here it is. Nip at night, everyone. I mean, especially on social media, fans live for and love nip at night. This is the the first experience with that this season, uh, and really since 2019. So if I mean, if if that's if that's what you look forward to, the I mean. The, the first the first one of the season is, is Friday night. you got to be there for it. Yeah, and the UCF game, which I know we've uh, enjoyed having that game played at night over the past couple of years. It mm-hmm. was just announced today that it, it will be a noon game. So I'm glad you said that because I have people you, coming in town for it, and I need to let them know that. If you start to scan the rest of the schedule, not really sure if we might get another night game. Ooh. So uh, – Make this one count. Make this one count. And I mean, you know, I, I uh, before I jumped on here with you, I looked up Temple. We play the Temple Owls on Friday. Uh, I, I fully expected them to be like one and four. Uh, yeah, they got three five. wins already. They beat Memphis on Saturday, and it was a hell of a game. Uh, Memphis was supposed to be, I thought, I mean, top five team in the in the conference, maybe somewhere in the middle because there was. Some questions that we had about them, but we—I think a lot of people could have easily seen Memphis being third or fourth in the conference this year, and Temple beating them kind of blew my mind. So, uh, like you said earlier, we're going to get everyone's best shot. Temple coming off a big win, I, I think they're going to be ready. Of course, and as they should be. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm like. I'm not. I'm not making any predictions that the team's going undefeated, and there's no, there's no, there's not going to be any friction to get in there. Of course, there will be. 
they're the highest ranked team that the, the conference has seen. I, I don't know what UCF got to all those years ago, but I don't think they got to five. Maybe they did. I don't remember. Uh, I know that. I mean, no G five has ever been top four. I know that. And with Iowa and Penn State playing each other this weekend, Texas and Oklahoma, you know, who knows what could happen? But we could easily see ourselves there if we take care of business on Friday. But I mean, that's why we play the games. That's why we're fans of of sports. Is is for the, the competition, for the, the the suspense, the unknowns. Um, not to say that I'm worried about Temple because. Mm-hmm. For they didn't even play like they, we didn't get to play them last year. I mean, they were historically bad. Yeah. I, I, I but they have good players too, and and they want to win the game, and so will the team, and um, that will play next weekend and the weekend after that until the season's over. As a fan, and you know, an organizer of 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 the pregame, and I, I just want everyone to to enjoy it because it's a special season, and if you've been a fan of this program or of Cincinnati sports for that matter we don't get this a lot so mm-hmm. let's just soak it in you know, come down a couple hours early enjoy the, the camaraderie enjoy the atmosphere and uh just hope that um we get to keep it up for the next couple months well sir i will definitely be there you will see me on friday i get out of i get out of school at three fifteen, and i'll probably head to clifton I'll, I'll come. I'm bringing a, a bag to pack to change into. I'll be I'll be ready to go there early. Um, I'll, I'll be excited. And uh, I mean, nip at night doesn't get much better than that. I have uh, that's everything I wanted to cover, man. Uh, I certainly appreciate your time this evening. Anything else that you think we need to address uh, on this episode? Or I mean, I think we we covered what we had to here. I think so. No, I, I appreciate I appreciate you letting me come back on. This is a great conversation. I think it's good to kind of, at least for me, and I know, if, you know having been there, like just it was a lot of energy and uh, getting to getting to uh, talk about it um, kind of helps me kind of still hang on to that that high I was feeling on Saturday. That high I paid for on Sunday. Holy hell! <laughs> I uh, I borrowed a lot of happiness from Sunday to celebrate Saturday night. Yeah, well, well, now you get a couple of days to, to to refill those tanks and um and get down there on Friday and obviously a little bit less. Uh, you know the stakes aren't as high, but um you know still another game we got to win, so it should be fun. Absolutely, Brandon. I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, I'll see you at the tailgate Friday, and hopefully we we have some uh, plenty of other Bearcats fans partying along with us. All right, we'll see you there, bud. All right, man. As always, cheers and go Bearcats. Cheers.